everyone, welcome to our podcast, Ghostly Residents of Old Cape Cod. This podcast is about the Dillingham House, from one of our very early podcasts. We started podcasting in January of 2023, although some of my research was done late in 2022. I found this version on the net and thought it gave us another perspective of this particular home. It has since been sold and is now a private residence, so we have no way of contacting the owner to ask them if they have any ghosts. As customary, I will venture to add a few of my own sources, if they have anything to say. Now, quoting from this TV Chronicle, Let's begin, shall we? Originally aired October 28, 2001, and it was updated January 5, 2011. Quote, Ghostly Homes of Cape Cod airs tonight on HGTV. With its sea cliffs and lighthouses, marshes and cranberry bogs, Cape Cod is, to many, the most charming place on earth. But the Cape has another, more haunting distinction. Some of its residents have spurned the idea of leaving, even after death. It is those who linger who will be the focus tonight when Ghostly Homes of Cape Cod airs on HGTV, the Home and Garden Television Network. Six Cape homes will be featured, brought to the attention of producers by author and entities expert Mark Jasper. Jasper is the author of Haunted Inns of New England and the soon-to-be-published Haunted Cape Cod and the Islands. A former home service employee, Jasper became interested in the spirit world in 1996, when he moved to Sandwich from Worcester. Quote, we moved in the middle of January, Jasper says, when there was two feet of snow and the ground was too frozen to install cable TV. So I went through all the boxes of books I'd brought and ended up reading one I'd gotten as a gift in high school, but never read a book about ghosts. Now they have a title in here, Searching for Ghosts, but it's not highlighted or outlined or underlined or anything. So I tried to research this title, but came up with a children's book. So publication dates have to be in the 90s. Uh, The children's book, I think, was published in maybe 2010 or 11, but it didn't, it didn't coordinate. So it was another rabbit hole. Sorry. Jasper found the idea of invisible housemates, nothing less than captivating, and soon began cruising bookstores, trying to find a listing of local ghosts. What I really hoped to find was a book that specialized in inns, that were located close to me so I could stay in one and maybe experience something, he says. 
When he couldn't find a book on local ghosts, Jasper jokingly told an employee at Titcomb's bookshop that he guessed he'd have to write his own. She said, that sounds like a great idea. Write it and we'll sell it, says Jasper, who has held her to her word. But finding locals who would share their ghost stories was no easy task. He quickly discovered and writing a book focused on the Cape's poltergeist population was beginning to look like it might be a dead end. Ah, it was very awkward calling in and saying, Do you have a ghost? says Jasper, whose previous writing experience had been limited to sports articles for his high school newspaper. None of the inns I called wanted to talk to me and many of them said they didn't know what I was talking about. But slowly I started to hear things, and then an innkeeper started telling me about things she just couldn't explain. At that point I figured, if there's one, there's got to be more. Jasper says that by the time he'd finished his book on New England's haunted inns two years later, He'd included 15 located on Cape Cod. One innkeeper, whom Jasper says, has always been forthright about the ghosts who inhabit, who inhabit her bed and breakfast, is Ryan Griffin of Dillingham House in Sandwich. For the past two years, Griffin and Gert Rausch, R-A-U-S-C-H, have owned the three-story house built sometime between 1650 and 1700 and moved from Tupper Road to Main Street. Now, we didn't find out the house had a haunted reputation until we were in the process of buying it, Griffin said. At that point, we said, well, we're going to buy it anyway, so hopefully it's a friendly ghost. Griffin says she might have dismissed the ghostly rumors if it had only been the neighborhood kids who claimed the house was haunted. But the stories, she soon discovered, had been documented by the police. Stories of latches lifting, running footsteps, rocking chairs moving, and lights and motion detectors going on and off during periods when the house was vacant. Some did not hesitate to blame the ghostly goings-on in the house to its former owner, Branch Dillingham, the grandson of Sandwich, Sandwich's forefather, Edward Dillingham. Now here they've tucked a little history of the Dillingham house. According to the town's archives, Branch took his own life in 1813. Within three weeks, his wife died of mysterious causes, leaving behind the nine Dillingham children. The children were left alone in the house all of that long, harsh winter. Some accounts say that the children grew to adulthood, but their childhood spirits returned to the house. Other accounts claim that it was spring before curious neighbors investigated and the Dillingham children were found dead in the house. That's just one report. There have been several. 
Reports of apparitions of young children running through the house have become common over the years, as well as stories of an apparition of a middle-aged man on the third floor. Knocking and strange footsteps are frequently reported by guests, though Griffin has yet to experience any supernatural manifestations, unless, of course, you consider the strange odors. I think I'm oblivious to the sounds because I'm here all the time, says Griffin, who lives in a renovated barn on the property. But I've experienced some really unusual odors that I couldn't identify. Very sudden and strong odors that come and then leave just as suddenly. I'm afraid that's the most unusual thing I've experienced here. But recently a guest asked Griffin, what she was doing on the third floor at three o'clock in the morning. She asked me what I was doing up there making all that noise. She said, were you ironing or something? Griffin says, she didn't know that I don't live here and I was asleep at three in the morning in my own bedroom. No one was on the third floor. So that is the story of the Dillingham House from another source and I'm going to stop there because we do this in two parts. And the next part is has my own comments in it. So stay tuned. Don't go away. Hi, everyone. I'm back. And back to the second part of the Dillingham House. Um, so... Now, Dillingham House has had more written about it than some of the other homes here on the Cape. As usual, I asked my sources, and here is what they had to say. They gave me the following story. Branch Dillingham and his wife and nine children lived a life of poverty. Trying to feed and clothe nine children was difficult. They were Quakers and frequent attendees of services. The children also attended. Life became overwhelming for the husband. He became despondent from lack of funds to provide for his family. So he hung himself in 1813. Now they had no heat, and this is wintertime, they had no heat nor any firewood to keep warm. The wife couldn't handle it anymore, so she took her own life about three weeks after her husband died. The children buried both of them in the backyard and tried to stay alive, but some of the younger ones died. The Quakers, when they found out about the tragedies, took the rest of the children in and separated them to different families. Now, I told you there are different endings to this story, and that's another one. Do they come back to haunt the home? Some of the little children do and the mother stays there to look after the little ones. Branch still lives in the house and is heard frequently moving around on the third floor. Well, there you have the story of the Dillingham house. And again, some of those stories do conflict. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And here's my tagline for the podcast. This podcast and all of our podcasts are created on Spotify for podcasters. 
and you can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Music, and iHeart Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions, or even have a ghost story to share, drop us a line at our free email address, ghostly.residence at gmail.com. The transcript for this podcast can be found on our website, www.capecodwriters.net. So the best way to be notified when we have a new podcast is, is to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify. Thanks for listening. We look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned.